And then as I did the readings by myself at my piano in my house, man, I sometimes I had to stop and come back to it the next day because I, it was very emotional. I experienced those passages like I never have before. voice of Fernando Ortega talking about his latest collection of music and readings called The Crucifixion of Jesus. We'll hear more about it and more about the life of this gifted musician coming up now on First Person. I'm Wayne Shepherd. People have such remarkable stories of faith and calling, and we try to highlight another one each week. Over the past several years, we have had hundreds of conversations with individuals from all walks of life, but the common thread has been faith in Jesus Christ and his calling on their life. We've made it possible for you to listen to any of the previous first-person interviews a variety of ways through our podcast and smartphone app. You can also listen at our website, firstpersoninterview.com. For all of this, we thank the Far East Broadcasting Company for supporting us, and we urge you to learn more at firstpersoninterview.com. Best known for his meditative style of worship music, Fernando Ortega has a new CD using music to cause us to deeply consider the sufferings of Christ. We'll talk in a few moments about the new CD, but I started by asking him about his own story of faith and family. My family on my father's side is tied to New Mexico for the last 300 years, from what my relatives tell me, 1700. Um, prior to 1700, the, the Spaniards were there, my, my ancestors, um, and then they were thrown out. There was a revolt by the Pueblo Indians because you know they just weren't getting along. Hmm. That was in 1650, roughly. Then they came back 50 years later with a vengeance, the Spaniards, and really conquered. And that's when apparently my my family came up. I feel, you know, I lived 22 years in California. Uh, I moved there when I was 26 years old. And I think from the first year, I was always yearning to get back. I missed the landscape. I missed the mountains and the huge sky. And I missed the Rio Grande. And I missed driving up north to my relative's house. And, you know, I finally moved back in 2006. And um, You live in Albuquerque. I live in Albuquerque now. But, yeah, my family, uh, I come from a musical family, uh, but only one other professional musician, which is my brother. Hmm. But I remember we were talking about this just a week ago, how we used to drive. I was telling my daughter Ruby this. We used to drive up up to Santa Fe and past. Um, We had this old 57... Ford Fairlane, <laughs> and us kids, you know, be, there were no seatbelts back then. <laughs> Probably no air conditioning. <laughs> and no air conditioning. And my brother and I would lie on the floor. There was that hump in the middle, and, sure. we, and you know, we'd lie on the floor and put our feet on there, and then my sister's on the seats, and and we would sing, and my, my, and my parents would just bust out harmonies, my dad on a tenor and my mom on an alto. And, you know, I just grew up hearing harmony. But, yeah, there was just, there was just that love of music. My mom plays the accordion. My dad plays the harmonica. Both of them sing. My brother's an incredible guitar player. Mm. Really, really good. He plays African style guitar, mm. electric guitar. It's, and he has a dance band called Wagogo and <laughs> they're really popular. I don't know. We're just... Where did you learn to l- play the piano then? And do you play more than the piano? Well, I dabble on the accordion. I don't do play you? the left hand, all those chord things. I should. We're just talking about our friend Jeff Taylor. Jeff Taylor does it, doesn't he? Yeah. He said he would teach me on Skype, so I should I should take him up. Take him up on that. He's got to be one of the greatest living accordion players. Yeah, he's got quite the resume. Yeah. So, um, 
so I play accordion and then I sometimes I dabble in um, like recorders and stuff like mic card. Mm-hmm. Enough to be dangerous, you know, <laughs> to mess up a whole show or a whole song. Yeah. So, Did you take piano lessons? Yeah. So uh, when I was six, uh, we lived on the uh, on this campus of a, of a little uh, private school there, Presbyterian school. Some people moved away and they left their piano with us. So um, I don't remember it as much, but my mom said I just was always at it, and I was learning how to play by ear. You know, I could I was picking stuff up by hearing it. I don't, I, of course, those are just melodies, you know, playing one finger things. Now I can hear, you know, chord progressions and, mm-hmm. and all that stuff. So, um, but th- then they gave me formal lessons starting at eight. And the second I had a formal teacher, um, I, I stopped practicing. It became drudgery? It became drudgery. Yeah. Even though I had terrific teachers. Um, and then there was this one woman uh, named Rose Hughes who was in her 80s. And she had a good reputation as a, a teacher. And, and um, I started taking lessons from her. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, music just opened up mm. uh, to me. So uh, how old would you have been? 13. Because then I started, I entered college at 17 and started te- uh, studying with a, a, an incredible pianist named George Robert, a German, uh, German guy from Juilliard. And uh, and then that opened up another door. Then there was another guy after that named Ralph Berkowitz. Anyway. So when you play the piano today, I mean, do you do it as almost a devotional exercise sometimes? Is, it, is there that kind of element to it for you? Do you just ever sit down and just go at it? Oh, all the time. Yeah. I mean, now lately I've been in a slump. I don't know why. Um, I think it's just because I finished recording this record and I've spent, I spent countless hours um, practicing this, the music on this new record. Mm-hmm. But prior to that, I, I, you know, I do just sit down and I'll, uh, like an exercise for the first half hour might be, a, I just go through scales, you know, C major scale, C sharp, D, E flat, E, F, G, et cetera, et cetera. Um, playing scales at a really slow pace, then doubling the tempo, you know, just noodling around like that. Is um, it therapy for you? It's kind of therapeutic, I guess. Um, and it's also a little bit of sweat work. It's just, mm-hmm. it's just you keeping your chops up, you know. Um, it's really important thing to do. You mentioned the road trips, and I, I have to tell you that um, I suppose I should be spiritual and say that one of my favorite Fernando Ortega songs is a hymn, one of the many hymns you've done. Yeah. But my absolute favorite is Road Song. Yeah. Uh, from This Bright Hour CD, I think. I think I've recorded that thing three times. Yeah, you know what? I listened to one today, and I, I'm i not a guitar guy, but I, I thought I missed a Les Paul kind of sound. Boy, I'm really not a guitar okay. guy, and that would have been John Schreiner's signature okay. thing. But yeah, that we've recorded it three ways, three different times. Okay, three different all right. I must have a couple times. of different ones then. Yeah, and then there's one in Spanish. There's a version in Spanish. Oh, Canto well, del Camino. It wouldn't help me, but... <laughs> yeah, yeah. And actually, that's my favorite one, the one in Spanish. Is it? Yeah. But when you talk about that family road trip as a kid, uh, that what I thought of immediately was Road Song. Oh, interesting. I just listened to it earlier today. Yeah, I think... Um, so th- those lyrics were written by my friend Elaine Rubinstein. So what she's thinking about in One Rides in the Summer, Wind Beside Me, One yeah. Flies Through the Stars. It I could listen to that choir all day. Yeah. yeah, it's the choir of those three friends of hers, whoever she has in mind when she wrote that. Yeah. And I think, you know, I, I have my own thoughts about it, you know, what, who I think of when I sing that song. Mm-hmm. Um, well, you're a desert guy. I'm a desert guy. So, yeah. And the, the song takes place in the desert, so I can it understand does. that. Yeah. I, I really 
spent almost no time in the desert, but oh, it still really? speaks to me, you know. Yeah, it's so huge, and it just has its own beauty, you know. Um, but Elaine, that she really captured that scenery, a sky so wide you can feel your heart turn quiet. It, it's exactly true. When you, when you come into something that, you know, the only response is just to kind of your mouth drops and you just <laughs> take it in. Yeah. yeah. Um, How about spiritually? Where did this, uh, this come into play for you? Did your family, um, were they believers? Yes, um, my family, as far back as my grandparents, uh, who were turn of the century, uh, you know, from the from the nineteenth to the twentieth century. My grandfather, born in eighteen eighty nine, in the early twenties, he was converted from the Catholic Church into the Presbyterian Church, and and um, then my then on my mother's side, the same thing happened with her with her parents, and so my parents met at a Presbyterian mission school, and then you know married after they graduated. But uh, it was those Presbyterian missionaries were very wonderful Christians. They came and evangelized up through New Mexico, up into Colorado, and you go to any of these little towns, you know, that are along the Rio Grande or in the in those parts of the Rockies, and you find all these little Hispanic Presbyterian churches that have been around for a long time. So you had that influence. Yeah. Did you resist uh, Christianity at all? When I was. 12, I think, I had felt like I had had it. I don't know why, why it was even on my radar, but I thought, yeah, this is too stiff. I started looking for my own Christian experience. I know what happened, actually. Uh, my family moved to Ecuador, and I experienced this weird culture shock moving there. Then I, then we were, became very acculturated into the Ecuadorian life, hmm. my brother and my sister and I. And we came back to the United States and then I experienced an even bigger culture shock because now I was Ecuadorian. And <laughs> and all my friends that I had known in elementary school uh, had now come into their, you know, that's a very formidable time, um, those those early teenage, preteen teenage years. So um, it, it affected how I felt about religion too. I rejected Presbyterianism and Christianity and then went on this quest to find out what was going on. I explored Eastern religions in particularly, I studied Gandhi's life and wanted to emulate Mahatma Gandhi for some reason. You know, I didn't wear a loincloth to school or anything. But, but uh, how long did that phase last? About about two years, I'd say. But you came to Christ, and then I came to Christ at um, a Pentecostal church. Hmm. It was a, that was like one of those you can feel your heart turn quiet moments because I walked in that place. It was wild, people dancing, the music, <laughs> and it just felt so powerful. And mm. there was this really tangible presence of God that I felt. And and so I, I attended the church, but I, I resisted actually saying, you know, Jesus Christ is the Lord of my life until this one girl uh, that was a close friend, she had been witnessing to me for, for several months. And... I'd come, we'd argue back and forth in art class, and I was attending the answer of this church. Um, and then one day I just said, what was that prayer again, you know? What is that scripture that said, believing in your heart or something, you know? She quoted it, if you believe in your heart and confess with your lips that Jesus Christ is Lord, you will be saved. And that's what I did. I, I stood up on my chair in the art class. <laughs> Is that right? And I go, hey, everybody, you know, and everybody turns around. <laughs> well, and there's they, no halfway in between for you. Yeah, is there? <laughs> I said, Jesus Christ is Lord of my life. And then I sat down in the chair, you know, and, and people knew me to know that I was just a weird guy, you know, so they just rolled their eyes. But Cindy, uh, her, her, my friend, her eyes filled with tears and she said, 
did you really did you really just do it and i said i did I, I mean, I meant it. And so and she said, you know, you're going to go home. And it's going to feel like just nothing's really changed, but your life is going to, is really different now. You have, be, you know, been made alive or something. I don't know exactly how she said it, but the idea you've been made alive in Christ. So uh, it was, that was, that was my conversion experience. And no looking back. Well, I would say I've, 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 along the road, there's been doubt. Not never thinking I'm not going to a Christian anymore. I don't think, but I've had some crisis moments in my faith. It's part of growing, isn't it? It's part of growing, yeah. and I've and I, I've been in churches that have fallen apart. You know that that Pentecostal church fell apart. It imploded. Really horrible stuff happened. Then I went to another church. That pastor had weirdness going on. And then, and then it just seemed like every church I joined, maybe it was me, but uh, there was all these really crazy, awful things that happened with leadership. And so, uh, you know, after I think five or six of those, I just said, I'm, I can't do this. You know, what's, I was so angry at God so many times, like, how can you expect us to follow you when this stuff happens, mm-hmm. you know, it erodes at your at your faith, but it's not really eroding at your faith. It's really eroding your faith in people that you idolize. I understand. You know what I mean? Yeah. And and then it kind when of when you keep your eyes on Christ, it's it's different, isn't it? Yeah, that's I think where I've finally landed now. You know, um, but yeah, there were some really awful years of disappointment. We'll continue talking with Fernando Ortega and talk about his new CD, The Crucifixion of Jesus, on First Person. I'm Ed Cannon of the Far East Broadcasting Company. As you listen to First Person, please take a few moments to visit our website and learn more about FEBC. At firstpersoninterview.com, you can sign up without obligation for a free daily online devotional that will inspire you with stories and scripture telling how God works through our broadcasts in many countries. Learn more and sign up for our 30-day devotional at firstpersoninterview.com. My guest is Fernando Ortega. His new CD, The Crucifixion of Jesus, and we'll talk about this this tremendous work in just a few moments. Fernando, thanks for coming to the studio today and talking. We've known each other and been friends for a long time, but we don't see each other very often. Right. Except through Facebook now. Facebook, yeah. So I I see all the bird photos (laughs) from your backyard, and uh, you're quite the... uh, what what's the the birding term? Um, uh, psycho bird watcher. Yeah, bird, a <laughs> I'm birder sure is a more technical a birder, term. Birder. Birder. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. the technical term. Uh, yeah, okay. that's from what I. Yeah, it's funny with the birds. I years ago um, in out in California, I was invited to play and sing for a, one of John Stott's uh, a fundraiser for his ministry. Oh, he was a big birder, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, and so I'm sitting backstage with him. We had already met before at another event. And so we were just kind of catching up, and and he was talking about birds. And after a while, I thought, okay, you know, this must be a total old man thing, <laughs> this obsession with birds, because he was really into it. You know, he's such a delightful man. Yes. I can't believe I called him a big birder. <laughs> <laughs> he, was an, he was an avid birder. He was, birder. <laughs> he was an avid birder. That is funny. Old, old big birder stalked. Um, so, so anyway, I came away from that, and, and uh, I thought it was funny. But now, here I am. And I guess that means either that, <laughs> yeah. I don't know, I'm, a, I'm an You're old man. You're not old, no. Well, yeah, I'm 60 years old, and <laughs> you can't, I, I'm a fanatic. I, I, I have bought so many feeders, and they're all around the house. 
Um, and 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 I the windows at the house are in. Incredibly clean in case I have to take photos through the window. Not the optimal, but sometimes you do have to take photos through the window. Yeah. And then I get up in the at before the sun and sit there in the in a chair with my camera. <laughs> well, there's something I don't know, uh, serene. There's something. Um, it it's almost worship for me to look at your photos that, that are so well done and see God's creation through these birds. It's it's amazing. I like that you said serene because I compare it to fly fishing. You know, when you're fly fishing and you're you're so focused on that fly floating on the top of the water, and, and on getting a strike. To me, it always just makes me forget whatever is really you know. It, it it's yeah. a de-stressor, and I find the same with a bird. If I see some really crazy thing up in the tree that I've never seen before, trying to focus my camera on it and get a good shot, I, I and get the lighting right and adjust the camera and all that stuff. So, I similar for me. Hmm. Let's talk about the CD, the Crucifixion of Jesus. Why did you choose this theme? This particular CD is going to be the first installment um, in a series that I'm doing that's based on the church calendar. So hopefully the next will be the resurrection of Jesus and then maybe Pentecost. Mm -hmm. And after that, more than likely it'll be Advent. I might camp out a little bit on ordinary time. We won't hold you to the order. Yeah, yeah. But you know, Advent, Christmas, (laughs) Epiphany. And I'll go through the whole, the whole thing. Oh, good. Yeah. And, and I, and by then I think the package will make more sense. And you can't leave this out. No, I mean, this, it's the way we come to God. I mean, it's, uh, we are crucified with Christ and, um, but it is a very difficult topic to write and sing about, you know. It's um, and it's definitely not a very commercial uh, <laughs> topic or anything. A lot of radio stations aren't going to flock to playing the crucifixion of Jesus. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there might be a couple of songs on there that they that they uh, could play, but you know, I picture this record as more of a. It can be used in a personal devotion, or if a, if you had a group home study. You could play this as you guys, as the group took uh, communion together. Yeah, you know. Well, I, I noticed that you you do a number of readings uh, in between the musical cuts. Right. Uh, talk about the importance of those. Well, I there are there are certain anchoring events that I used in the CD. It starts with the triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem, and then goes to the cleansing of the temple when he overturned the temp- the tables of the moneylenders, and then goes to um, the Last Supper and out into the Garden of Olives. Um, so we had these events, my friend, my co-producer and, and friend Bernard Chadwick, Bernard Chadwick. So the readings, initially I was going to sing these transitional things. I was going to have these very loose sort of chanty um, versions of the readings. And then I started doing it and it just felt cumbersome. So, I, so one night I just sat down and started reading them mm-hmm. real late at night. And played them back the next day, and I thought, yeah, I think that's what I'm going to do. But they know? add such context to, to the music. That's that's what I enjoyed about uh, hearing them uh, in total. Yeah, and it, the CD really it actually forces the listener, I think, to to go from start to finish. Yeah, it's sequential. Yeah, and it really adds to the meaning of the whole the whole story. Yeah, and we for the most part we wrote the songs in sequence. We would Bernard and I were at this, camped out in this house up in the Hollywood Hills, and uh, we just just sat around this piano and drank coffee and and knocked this stuff out. I, that sounds so crass. Knocked this stuff out. <laughs> but we sat we sat we sat in the you know around this piano and and said, well, let's let's do this this song next. This and and went leading up to the crucifixion. It had to be a moving experience. I mean, you had to be touched in your soul by this stuff. Very much so. 
and I remember several times where we'd come back together. You know, we we would we would separate and and say um, we'll go away for half an hour and then come back and see what ideas we've come up with. Yeah. And there were several times where one of us would come back weeping. You know. Mm. Um, and then as I did the readings by myself um, in my piano in my at my piano in my house, man, I. I Sometimes I had to stop and come back to it the next day because I, it was very emotional. I experienced those passages like I never have before. Yeah. We will put links to the music and your page on our program website, firstpersoninterview.com. Since we don't have a moment here to play the music, our listeners can, can catch up with it that way. Yeah. So, What's next for you? Uh, you mentioned the other themes, Advent and Resurrection and Pentecost. Mm-hmm. But I mean, just generally, what what's ahead for you? I think um, I want to. Uh, aside from this project, are you talking about musically? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Aside from this project, I want to write a, a record that's that talks about what it's like bringing up my kid Ruby. Mm. Mm. Um, and I have some things in mind for that. I used to do these these uh, you know more story like records <laughs> where, where I just told stories about people and places in my mm-hmm. life. I miss doing that stuff. So that's one project project I have in mind. I sure would like to study again. I'd like to take some classes in uh, uh, probably, you know, creative writing. Mm-hmm. Those things are always helpful. Mm-hmm. Go to workshops and read your stuff. Mm-hmm. And I would love to take a photography class someplace. Well, you are well on your way as far as photography from what I've seen. Oh, thanks. I'm, I know enough to be dangerous, I feel like. You know, there's a, there's a certain skill, you can, skill level you can attain, but I think at, at the point I'm at now, uh, a, a good teacher showing me mm-hmm. how, to, how to work with light and yeah. shadow and all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I know what you're saying, though. Isn't it fun to kind of branch out and to explore these, these disciplines and these, these hobbies, if you will? I don't know if you want to call it a hobby, but no, it's, it's fun a, to get outside what we are known for and what we do uh, and learn something different. I never would have thought I would get into photography or, or birds. It's really... It's really so cathartic for me. And it feeds back on what you do musically, doesn't Very it? Very much so, yeah. How yeah. so? Well, it. I feel like it, you know, not to sound too weird, but it sort of centers me. You know, if I've got, if I'm really scattered in the middle of a day, if I just grab that camera and I go out and sit in the yard and wait for something to happen, there's a lot of centering that goes on. I can think, I can gather my thoughts about music, you know, and so, a lot of times I can just come right back to the piano and... And I'm in a much better place than I was when I was all scattered. And hearing Fernando Ortega at the piano often leads us to a much better place spiritually as well. His new CD is titled The Crucifixion of Jesus, and we will place links for how to order a copy on CD or even download the music when you visit our website, firstpersoninterview.com. Today's program was made possible by the Far East Broadcasting Company, FEBC lends its support because the power of the gospel at work in people's lives is a never-ending story of God's grace and mercy. Listeners to FEBC always hear a clear proclamation of God's word in their own language, and millions respond in thankfulness. To learn more about how you can support FEBC's broadcasts in many hard-to-reach parts of the world, including China and Russia, please follow the links at firstpersoninterview.com. And take just a moment to sign up for a free 30-day devotional sent via email that will encourage you in God's Word as it tells listeners' testimonies. Now, with thanks to my friend and producer Joe Carlson, I'm Wayne Shepherd. Join us next time for First Person. First Person.